for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. I had this preach prepared in my heart within minutes that I was given it at the preaching team meeting when Graham and Richard were talking about what chapters we'll be taking in this particular section on Nehemiah and and Ezra. And I started scribbling down notes straight away. And and so I just knew that God had got something for us this morning. And what I'm going to tell you this morning is going to come as a shock to some of you. Um, But by God's grace, I am hoping that he is going to reveal to you one of the major blind spots that we can have as Christians. And by his grace, that he will show us what that blind spot is and how we can overcome that blind spot. Because if we don't, we are going to have confusion and we're going to have grief ahead. And you may be already in confusion and grief. But I've got a real sense that God's going to be showing you this and that this this morning you'll go out of here encouraged uplifted, re-envisioned, and really wanting to go with God, and more aware than you have been before of God's plan for your life, and to go out of here with more passion and determination that you are going to walk in God's path, that you're going to go God's way, and a renewed sense that God is with you and equipping you. If that doesn't happen... Then go to Danny Moore. Danny, you stand, please. <laughs> go to Danny Moore and get your money back, and he'll take you out for breakfast. <laughs> but seriously, I do believe that God wants to impact us this morning. I'd just like to invite you. I know you've been standing for worship. Would you just stand just for a moment? We're just going to just give this time to God and just prepare our hearts because it's God that wants to speak to us. It's God that wants to speak into our hearts, and we want to receive it. So in your own hearts right now, would you be open, with open hands, open hearts, say, Lord, I am willing to receive whatever you want to give me this morning. Lord, I am willing to receive whatever you want to say to me this morning. And Lord, by your grace, I will equip myself with what you provide And Lord, I will go forward with you. Lord, I'm willing. I don't know quite what I'm praying, Lord. I don't know quite where that would take me. But Lord, there's a sense in my heart that I want more of you. And I want to go forward with you. So Holy Spirit, just rest on us right now, Lord. Holy Spirit, come and bless us. Come and do your most sovereign work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you'd like to take your seats again. Are Barney and Claire still here? Have they gone out? Claire's here. Are they here? They're Claire's there. <laughs> has Barney gone out to the kids? Has he? He has. Okay. Just I just felt God had a word for you too. Um, that this is a season when you'll be going on a new track. 2017 is a, a new positioning of you. We had that word about repositioning. It's a new position for you and Barney. And I saw you going on a different track. 
in a train, and the train was changing track, but, and there were some familiarities in the train, but also there were some new things in the train. And I saw a relaxation cart. <laughs> so I feel that God's going to be bringing you into a time of relaxation and resting with him. I also saw a, car, a carriage which had loads of books in it, and I just felt God sort of saying that there's a period of study that's coming ahead to embrace that study. I don't know whether it's for you or for Barney or for both of you. And I also saw a carriage being let go of at the back. And there were some familiar things in it. So I think there's some letting go of some familiar things. But God wants you to know you're on the right track. But as you look out the window, you see different signs. And you think, ah, we're going in a different way. But God's with you. And God's going to bless you. The other thing I saw when God gave me this picture, I saw a fountain over you. I saw water pouring over you. And I just felt God say that wherever he's going to plant you, wherever he puts you, you're going to be a fountain to people around you of God's goodness and his grace and his word. Wonderful. I also felt God put, put on my heart, if you have been, if you're a visitor or you have been coming here for the last six months, just, just the last six months, you've decided that you're, you're coming here, you may be coming on and off. Would you just like to put your hand and just indicate to me who, who you might be in the last six months? In the last six months that you've been coming along, don't be shy, I'm not going to get you to stand or anything like that. There we are, we've got some over there, that's great. That's it, brilliant. Yes, of course, that's right. Okay, well I just feel God wants me just to pray over you because God wants to commend you that you've, you've come on a journey and God has brought you to where you are and you're in the right place. God has planted you in the right place and he wants you to have confidence that he is with you Confidence that you are on the right track. Confidence that he has planted you in a place where you are going to flourish. And, there's a, and there is a leaving behind of some of the things in the past which have held you up. So Lord, we bless these dear folk, Lord, who've been coming along. We ask, Lord, that you would impact them and that you'd be gracious to them and enlarge their walk with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Have you ever felt like this. What do you do when things go wrong? Have you ever had a situation where people misrepresent you, that you've been lied to, and that people have lied about you? When your finances have suddenly had a hard hit, and it's getting difficult to make ends meet? Where you've suffered some physical trial which has suddenly come upon you? maybe some illness. When people don't understand you and they even seem to twist what you say. When people you should be in good relationship have fallen out of good relationship with you. When they've cheated on you. And not only that, that people who should be in good relationship with you are speaking ill of you instead. Are you in a situation where people have written about you. They've written lies about you. They've written things about you which has misrepresented you. Have you had or are you going through a situation where you have been feeling under the threat of physical harm? Not only to you, but to others around you. Even to the point, for some of you, where you may have even feared your own life. Have you been going through a situation where your family's well-being is in jeopardy and there's a looming threat over you 
which could bring hardship and difficulty and sadness. If you identify with any of those things, then what we're going to talk about this morning is very relevant because this is exactly what the people of God experienced when they were trying to build the wall. In Ezra and Nehemiah, chapter 4 of Ezra, chapter 4 of Nehemiah, it catalogues what was happening to the people of God. They came back full of zeal because God had said to them, go back, build the walls, build the temple. And so they went there full of joy and when they got there, suddenly all these things and many more besides that I've just read out started to happen to them. Do you know, one of the greatest challenges for us as Christians, and maybe one of the greatest challenges for you, is to come to terms with and to understand spiritual warfare. Because it's not something that we talk about. I haven't heard it being spoken about for quite a a long time, since I was a young Christian, really. But it's something which is very relevant to every single one of us that there is an activity going on which if we don't understand it and we don't embrace the fact that it's happening, it will cause us confusion and cause us heartache and hardship. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Screwtape Letters, talks about Wormwood, who is the devil. And it, it opens up the devil's plans, what he does. And he talks about the devil's tools, the tools that the devil uses to try and bring down Christians. And somebody elaborated on the story and talked about a day when the devil had a boot sale and decided that he would let some of his tools go to the smaller demons. I think in America they say a yard sale. And so the story goes that the devil laid out his tools and then the little demons could come along and they could take what they wanted to take. I had to carry these down in a bag, by the way. They were sticking out of the bag. I was expecting to have a knock on my shoulder and somebody say, hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Going to do some harm with that, are we, sir? Well, that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to do harm with the tools of his trade. And they're laid out. Jealousy. Strife, marriage breakups, unforgiveness, sickness, viciousness, comments, being bound up and tied to situations which bring you down. But then there was one, and and the little demons were buying these all up. They thought this was great. But the story goes that there was one tool which wasn't on the table. It was to one side. And one of the little demons came up and sort of said, what's that tool there? And the devil said, ah, he said, that's not for sale. And he sort of said, oh, go on, let me, no, 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 no. The devil said, I cannot sell that one, he says. If I sold that one, he said, I would, be, I would lose half of my impact on trying to bring down Christians. He says, if I let that tool go, he says, I wouldn't be anything like as effective as I am. This is my most precious tool. But it doesn't look much, said the little demon. He said, that's exactly it. It's because Christians don't realize that I'm using this tool on them. 
Because if it was big and sharp and shiny, they would know it's me. And they may take plans to stand against me. But this one, they don't even realize that I'm doing this. And yet with this, I've been able to bring people out of ministry. I've been able to break up marriages. I've been able to give people to walk away from their faith. I've been able to get people to be so down that they cannot go forward. I've caused strife. I've caused arguments. I've caused all kinds of relational breakups with this one tool. Some of you may have guessed what the tool is. The little demon said, well, what is it? The devil said, it's discouragement. Discouragement. And this is what it says in Ezra chapter uh, chapter 4, verse 4. Then the people around them set out. This is the people who were not involved with building the wall. The people set up around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and to make them afraid of building. They even bribed officials to work against them and frustrate their plans during the entire reign of King Cyrus of Persia, right down to the reign of Darius. Even though they'd been given permission by the King Cyrus to build the walls, they hounded them. They did all kinds of things to discourage them. And this went on the entire time with Ezra. Discouragement, trying to bring them down, writing letters, getting the king to change his mind, stopping the building going on, and then they started again, and then they were trying to stop it again. And then Nehemiah comes onto the scene. And Nehemiah, as we've already know, was called by God to come down and to get these walls up and finished. And it was still going on. They're still being discouraged. They're still being maligned. They're still being spoken against. This time it's become more verbal. And so as they're trying to build the wall, they had these people hounding them and sort of saying to them, you can't do that. You can't build this wall. It's going to fall down. You can't do this. Do you think you're going to do this in a short period of time? This won't be done. And so they used words to try and discourage them from building the wall. The enemy would try and discourage you from your walk with God. He would try and discourage you from deepening your relationship with our loving Father. He would try and discourage you from taking risks and stepping out. You can't do that. You can't even call yourself a Christian. Do you think you can build anything for God? That's what he does. He lies and discourages you. Look what you did last week. Look what you did. You can't, no, you can't do that. What it says in Nehemiah 4 is that they ignored these touting and these comments and these barbedness. They, they ignored it and they carried on building the wall and they started to fill the gaps and it was in the gaps that these people were sticking their heads through. Yeah, can't do this, you can't do this. And they filled up the gaps and they started to build this wall and they got it half high. And then the people, Sam Ballot was the leader of these rebellious people. Sam Ballot thought, my goodness, they're actually, they're actually doing something. They're actually making some progress. So he, he went to the next level. And so not only were they shouting abuse at them, this time they started to say, we are going to do physical harm to you. We're going to come in the night 
and we're going to come behind you and we're going to kill you. We're going to kill your family. We're going to raid your family. We're going to pull your family away, families away. And so they started to give threat to them. But Nehemiah was unperturbed because he knew that God had called them to build the wall because this was part of the destiny and the heritage that the Christian church was going to have. So he knew this wall is going to happen. I've been called out of Babylon, out of exile, to come here because this is going to happen, because this is part of God's eternal plan for his people. And so he encouraged, he encouraged the people to keep building. But he had to be strategic. And we have to be strategic when we're dealing with the enemy because he's not a gentleman. He doesn't send you a note and sort of say, I am giving you an early warning that next week I am going to have somebody shout in your face and kick you and lie about you. So get prepared. He doesn't do that. He just comes in the dark, in the shadow, and just suddenly catches you. And we get caught unawares. And then we get disappointed because, well, I wasn't ready for that. And I've reacted differently and I've allowed it. But by God's grace, we can go out of here changed. We can go out of here differently. This is what Nehemiah had to do. He had to prepare all the people. He said, right, we've got to be prepared for this. We're going to build this wall, but we're going to fight. We're going to build this wall, but we're going to watch and we're going to be ready. We're not going to be put down by these people. And this is what it says in verse 6 of chapter 4 of Nehemiah. It says, from that day on, half my my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officer posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who, who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and carried a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. We're entering into a new phase as a church. We're looking at what's going to be called the Riverside Center. We're going to be looking at building God's kingdom and expanding God's kingdom. We're going to have to be building with one hand and fighting with the other. Because we've got some battles ahead. But as we've been singing, the battle belongs to the Lord. And it says there, the man, that he says, the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. There's going to be times when Graham and Richard are going to call us. They're going to sound the trumpet. And they're going to say, we need to rally. We need to rally. We need to, we need to pray about this situation. We need to support this situation. And brothers and sisters, we need to hear, we need to come to that call because we are all in this together I think the passage went on uh, because I haven't recorded enough here but I think it went on to say fight for your families fight for your brothers and sisters is that what it says there because I missed that bit here is that right fight for your families fight for your brothers and sisters and that's what we've got to do we've got to fight for our families because otherwise the enemy will come in and he will take charge. James 1 verse 2 says this, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Oh, you've got to be kidding. (laughs) 
consider it pure joy when I have trials. But listen, it's not the trials that are wrong. It's our approach to them that can be wrong. See, the devil lays a trap. He gets us to feel that the more trials that we have, then it means that the less blessed we are and the less spiritual we are than other people. And he tries to bring us down that way. So that's one of his tools. But God would say, no, through the trials, I will actually make you stronger and I will actually increase our intimacy together. So every one of you has a destiny. You may not feel it and you may not know it yet, but you have got a destiny. You've got a plan in God that he's got for your life and it's his plan for you to succeed in that. And when you embrace it, then you suddenly accelerate what God is doing in your life. Every single one of you has a plan this morning. Every single one of you has a blueprint that God has got for your life. Every single one of you has got giftings. As soon as you became a Christian, God gave you giftings. And what you, have the, you have the joy of unwrapping those giftings and finding out what they are. Whether it's hospitality, or whether it's preaching, teaching, or whether it's, it's a kindness, gentleness. There's gifts that God has given you. Unwrap the gifts because they're weapons. They can be used. I felt God laid in my heart that he wanted to commend you. He wanted to commend you as a church. He wants to commend you for your faithfulness because you have been faithful through many trials. You have been faithful through many trials over the past year or so. And God wants to commend you because you have stood up and continued going forward when you've had bad health. You continued to go forward when you've had financial difficulties. You've continued to go forward when there's been relationship breakups and relational difficulties in your circle, your family circle, your friend circle. But you've stayed faithful and you said, Lord, I'm not going to have this. I'm going to continue to look for a way through. Marriages. God wants to commend you that you are working at your marriage. He wants to commend you that in your heart you've not said no. In your heart you haven't turned your back. And God wants to commend you that you are pressing on. He wants to commend you because you have worked through uncertainties and you've worked through many discouragements. But you're working through it. And God's speaking to you right now and saying, yeah, that's you. Well done. Well done that you're here this morning. Well done that you're wanting to hear my voice. Well done that you're wanting to know more of me. See, brothers and sisters, we've got an adversary. We've got an enemy. We've got one who would like to stop us from moving on with God. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says, Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world are going under the same kind of sufferings. See, this could be said in, in all our family churches, in all the other, other, other churches, other streams. This can be said and people would know, yeah, that's me. I want to take on encouragement this morning. I want to take on that sense that God is with me. I want to be equipped. Now, God has given me some things. It's from the Bible, so I'm fairly confident that I can give this this morning. 
I'm going to give you some verses. You may need to get a pen and paper because some of these verses you would have heard before, but they are very pertinent to where you are at the moment. I'm not quite getting onto the verses. I'll get there in a moment, but if you could be ready, that'd be great. The story of the building of the walls is there because it shows us what's happening to us now. The issue is taking ground. The issue is taking ground that is rightfully yours and guarding that ground so that it's not taken back. And that warfare, that battle goes on all the time. The enemy doesn't take a break. I remember when I first became a Christian, I was absolutely you know, thrilled and this was wonderful. I basked, basked in this new truth and basked in a sense of God. I could feel him near me. After a month or two, things started to come in and I started to get discouraged because I, at that particular time, I wasn't quite getting the, the teaching that I needed to be prepared for things like this. Since then... When Fran and I have been running alphas, we've been running alphas now for 50, more than 15 years, near 20 years, I think. Even on the alpha, when we get new Christians, we teach them about the fact that they've got to be ready, that there's going to be a backlash, that the enemy's going to try and stop them. And usually we say to them, it's in the area of relationships. <laughs> usually it's an old flame that comes back on the scene and sort of says, you can't do that. Or somebody draws you away into some, some other area. So we've got to take the ground back. In World War II... We had a situation which was called Dunkirk where we had to retreat and we had to come back across the channel and there was that amazing thing. There's an exhibition at the Dover Castle. Amazing deliverance of 335,000 soldiers who got off the beaches of Dunkirk and brought back in all kinds of boats and fishing boats and everything like this. An amazing operation. An amazing time of deliverance was what Churchill said. But Churchill, on that day, or when it was all over, because it, it took five or six days, when it was over, Churchill said, we're going to have to go back the way that we've just come. And even, on, even when people were coming back from Dunkirk, Churchill, in his heart, was already preparing and saying, we have got to take this ground back. There's, there's, no other, there's no other possible end to this. We have got to go back over that sea, and we've got to take that ground back, because it's rightfully ours. Now, Churchill had... We know him as a man of the, of the hour. He's the man of the hour but he had many failures. In World War I, he was part of the, uh, the, the, the government, and he was in charge of the war, part of the war anyway, and he had an incredible failure when he, when, when he organised the um, invasion, basically, of Greece. And it failed miserably. Tens and tens of thousands of soldiers lost their lives, and in the end, they had to give up. And he was sacked, basically, and he ended up on the front line in the trenches. But he came back from that failure, and he came back as prime minister. God restored him. And he said when he went into Downing Street, 
I can't find it. <laughs> oh, here's what he said. I felt as if I were walking with destiny and that all my past life had been a preparation for this hour and for this trial. He got a hold of the sense that this was part of, of a plan for his life. And so he planned that out of his failure, he was now going to see success. And the Bible's full of people who had failures, and then it was turned to success. Samson and Delilah, failure. Samson called on God for strength, success, annihilated the enemy. David and Bathsheba gave in to adultery, and yet after that he repented, and God restored him to a man after his own heart. And then there's Moses, killed a man, killed one of the Egyptians, had to run away. But God restored him and used him to be the great leader of God's people. And then there was Peter, denying Jesus three times, and yet Jesus said, on you, I'm going to build my church. (laughs) Such is God's grace. And there's grace available for us this morning, for you this morning, If you feel that you failed in any area, there's grace for you to come back and to come into success. Paul, the Apostle Paul, killing Christians and encouraging others to do the same, and yet God got a hold of him and turned him around to be a success of God, to see the gospel expanded into the Gentile nations. Do you know, some people have made shipwreck of their lives not because of failures, but because of success. So they've come into success, but they haven't handled it right. And then the devil gets them with his tools. And he gets them with pride. And he gets them with man's glory. And he gets them with man's praise. So we've got to watch ourselves all the time. We can rest. We can rest in God. But we've also got to be aware that the enemy is roaming around like a lion. And he wants to to get us. He doesn't want to just trip us up. He wants to knock you out. He wants to take you out of the race because you can do so much damage to the kingdom of darkness. So, Hitler and Germany are coming on the brink of an invasion of England. There's a picture of Hitler at France looking across at the White Cliffs of Dover and he's got all his commanders there and he's ready for the invasion but it never came. It never came because Churchill, again, had learnt something. He'd learnt how to do a battle. And Churchill said, we've got to fight the airspace. (laughs) We must win the airspace over our country. And so Hitler sent his planes over and we had what we call the Battle of Britain. And in the Battle of Britain, we threw every plane that we had at the German invasion or the start of the invasion. And we shot down the planes. The, the, the Spitfire was the, was, the, was the plane of the hour. It was nimble and it could, it could dogfight. And it came to the point where we were shooting down four times as many German planes as our planes were going down. 
Pilots were crashing their planes, getting out of their planes, being brought back, being put into another plane, and they were going back up again. Such was the bravery of these men. Such was their tenacity that they were going to fight this enemy and they were going to win this airspace. And then we came to a moment when there had been a terrific amount of loss with planes. And Churchill was briefed. And Churchill sort of said, we we mustn't lose this. We can't lose this. Bring in the reserves. (laughs) And he was told there are no reserves. And so Churchill said, we must call the nation to prayer. And England had a day of prayer. I don't know, it may have been days of prayer. And we prayed that God would deliver us. And in Hitler's mind, whatever, he decided he was going to give up. And he was going to turn to Russia instead. And so we won the Battle of Britain. We won the airspace over us. If we want to win a battle... You've got to win the airspace. You've got to choose your weapon because you've got to continue to fight and you've got to make a stand on the line that God has put between you and the enemy. We had the English Channel that was the line for us. It was like a God-given line and Hitler couldn't cross it. When he tried to, we shot him down. so we've got to win the airspace and you've got to win your airspace you need to the airspace around you needs to be won and you can do it you can do it you can win the airspace around your family Nehemiah said to, said to the Israelites, he said, fight for your families. Fight for your friends. Fight for your brothers and sisters. You have to fight for the airspace around you. You can fight the airspace in your workplace. God has told me on a number of occasions to go into work early and to pray over a room or to pray over a desk or to pray over something. I've taken command in Jesus' name. I've taken command of the airspace. And I've said, Lord, we're not having this going on in here. We're not having that going on here. I did it very recently. Just two weeks ago, I had a situation which had, um, you know, I, I felt there was a, a demonic thing going on. And so I went to work early and I went to this particular spot where these things were happening. And I just took command over the room. And it stopped. It stopped. And you can do it. You can take command of the airspace over your family when there's arguments going on, when there is immorality going on, when there is sin going on. You can take authority over the airspace. The airspace also extends to your mind. And like the Battle of Britain, the enemy will bring him in his enemy planes, his thoughts... And you've got to recognize what they are. And you can sort of say, that's not one of ours. Is it God's plane coming in? Or is it the enemy plane coming in? And it's not a case of just looking at it and sort of saying, ah, there's a lot of enemy planes around. You've got to do something about it. You've got to command the airspace. This is what it says in Ephesians 
2, verse 2, it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. And it says also in Ephesians 6.12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's the airspace. You think that you've got your fight against your neighbour. Or you think you've got your fight against that person at work. No, it goes beyond that. The enemy is behind it, working it. And when you can see that, you don't hit out at the person. You hit out at the enemy. And you shoot down those planes. You shoot down those lies that are coming in. You shoot them down. You sort of say, I'm not having that. Because the enemy wants to entice you away with all kinds of juicy bits. He wants to present the world in a... He tries to present the world, a worldly way of life, in a truthful way. Well, everybody else is doing it, and it's, it's been good for them. They're getting success. But you've got to plumb line it up with the word of God. And what I've said, pick up your weapon... It says in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. Again, these verses could be very powerful for you if you apply them to yourselves. For though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. It didn't, it didn't say, for, we live, for though we live in this world, we do not live as the world does. It says, although we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. See? Oi! Don't you know? There's a war on! That was the call in the Second World War, waking people up. There's a war on. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Today, even now as I'm speaking, the enemy will come in with thoughts. Take them captive. Look, look at the markings on this thought that's coming into your head. Has this, is this God's thought? Does it tie up with the Bible? Or is this a worldly thought? Is this the enemy using a worldly thought to try and entice me away? Because the weapon that we, one of the weapons that we need is truth. We need to be full of the truth, the Bible, the Bible is the definitive truth. It is, you, you fall back, that's it. And you don't change it, you live by it. And we need, to, we need everything to fall into line with the truth. Okay, right, I'm thinking of doing this. How does it line up with the truth? I'm being asked to do this. How does it line up with the truth? Yeah, but other people are doing it and it looks fun. Yeah, but how does it line up with the truth? Because the truth will set you free. If you live by the truth, if you live by God's plan for your life, if you live by the way that he's given us in the Bible, then you will succeed. You won't fail. You'll succeed. So, they were building the wall, and they were working with one hand, and they were carrying a weapon in the other. And they were watching out to make sure that there weren't enemy planes that the enemy wasn't coming in with his lies, his discouragement. 
that he wasn't coming in with a weapon that he was going to try and bring them down. So our weapons, it's our thought. It's our thought life, thinking godly thoughts. Do you know the Bible says that we can have the mind of Christ? Let the mind of Christ dwell in you richly. Then you will know what God's plan and purpose for your life is. Let God's mind, let his thoughts land on your landing strip. Don't let the enemy planes land on your landing strip. You'll see them and you can shoot at them, but don't let them land. Destroy them before they ever do that. Say, no, I'm only going the God's way. Other weapons that we have apart from the thought life is, is prayer, is praying regularly, speaking in tongues, fasting, praise, worship, giving, being sacrificial with yourselves, with your time, with your lives. These are all ways that you can fight back the enemy. God's truth is wholesome. The devil's truth is false and will draw us away. And lastly, make a stand. Make a stand at the line that God has drawn or that God has made. There was a line that was accomplished for you on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, he put an end to death. He put an end to hell for you and for me. And he made a chasm, he made a line, and he says, the devil, you cannot cross this line. I have rescued these people, they're on this side. You can't have them back. He will try and taunt you, he will try and send his planes over, he will try and discourage you, he will try and influence you and try and get you to do things. But you're in Christ and you're on this side of the line. When the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, God designed it that the seas would close in on the enemy and drown them all. And the enemy is on one side of the line and God's people are on the other side, safe. God has made a line in your life. If you've given your heart to Jesus Christ, there is a line drawn in your life. The old has gone away and behold, the new has come. And the enemy has no right whatsoever to influence you or to start to make you go down the old routes that you used to because the old has gone and the new has come. And he's calling, God is calling you to walk in that new, that new life that he has for you. So make a clear stand at that line. Look at the enemy and say, no, I have a clear call on my life. I know that God has called me. I know that God has chosen me. I know that I'm going with him. And I'm not going to be flinched. Nehemiah said, I'm not going to stop to talk to you uh, guys, he said, because I'm about a great work. I cannot stop. And we need to say the same. We need to say to all these thoughts that come in, I'm not having that. I'm not going to give in to a worldly pleasure just to have some enjoyment for a little bit and suffer for years to come. I'm going to make a stand. I've got a call in my life, and I want to live according to this call. I want to live in the steps that God's got for me. I want to be aware that there's a battle on, but the battle belongs to the Lord. 
That's what Nehemiah actually said to the people. He said, be encouraged, he says. He says, stand your ground, he says, because our God is victorious. He is the victorious God and he will see us through. These walls, Nehemiah was saying, these walls will be built. It's God's intention that your life will, your life will reflect his glory. That's his plan for you. That's what's to happen. So just draw on strength from the truth. Press on, endure, forgetting what lies behind. Strain on towards the goal that you you have been called to in Christ Jesus. Build the walls. Build the walls, brothers and sisters. We're being called to go to the Riverside Centre. We're being called to build this building. Nehemiah and the Israelites were called to build the walls of the city and to build the temple. Why? Because it was part of the eternal destiny, even of the church. Because within the walls, the presence of God was present. When they finished, the presence of God came back to the temple. Within these walls, Christ ministered. Christ died and Christ rose again. Within these walls was where Pentecost happened. And the word of God and the gospel went out to all nations. And we've got prophetic words over us as a church that we're going to affect the nations, that we're going to bring good news to the poor, that we're coming into a season when we're going to have more of the presence of God. So we need to continue to build, continue to build, so that we might have the presence of God, that we might have more of the salvation of God, and that we might affect the nations just as Nehemiah and Ezra did. I need to come to a, a finish there, but I just felt that we need to seal this in some way. So I was just wondering, would you mind standing? We're just going to close in prayer. Let's just spend a moment, just before we pray, what has God been saying to you this morning? What has the Holy Spirit said into your heart this morning? What area of your life is God saying, I want you to overcome in that area? What is God calling you to right now? Is he giving a fresh revelation of the path he has for you? Is he equipping you right now for the tasks and works of service that he's got for you? Just let the Spirit rest on you right now. Lord, we welcome you. Lord, we welcome you. Lord, we welcome you. In your own way, just pray a prayer in your own heart and say, Lord, I'm taking on board what you're saying. Lord, I'm going to go forward. Or even just say yes. In your own heart, just say yes. Lord, I say yes to you. 
I say yes to you. I can't see the whole picture, but I say yes to you this morning. I want to walk with you. I'm on the right side of the line. I'm going to make a stand this morning. I'm going to make a stand this morning. I am not going to go back. I'm going to go forward. I'm going to embrace everything you've got for me. I'm going to fight this fight, this good fight. And by your grace, Lord, we're going to win. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your equipping. Equip the saints, we pray now. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Lord. Lord, equip us as a church. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We want more of you. More of your presence with us Sunday by Sunday, meeting by meeting, home group by home group. We want more of your presence, Lord. And we choose to allow your thoughts, your words to land on the landing strip of our lives. And we make a charge, Lord, that we will fight against these enemy intrusions, enemies' lies, enemies' plans. We're not going to have them. We thank you. The victory belongs to you, Lord. Come and equip us, we pray. Lord, we release blessing on us as a church, Lord. We release blessing on our leaders, Lord. We release blessing, Lord, on Graham and Richard, Lord, as they lead us into this new phase, Lord. We release a blessing, Lord, on everybody in the church who has any leadership responsibility, Lord, to protect them and keep them safe. Lord, we love you, and we will continue to love you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.